Thank you for listening to the podcast version of To a Certain Degree. This is episode 200. I'm Nick Jorgudio. I couldn't have done this without many, many, many guests and several listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this. I honestly, this is more for me than for you, but I think you'll get something out of it as well. Thanks. Hello. You are listening to a certain degree. I'm your host, Nick Jorgudio. This is episode 200. Who would believe we would have made it this far? Certainly not anyone prior to 1995. To a certain degree, started in May 2016 as a live radio show on WPRK. The studio is currently off-limits for some of the volunteer DJs and their guests, so instead, you're going to hear some clips from past episodes. So can you call this a best of? Yes, because it includes some of the best people in Orlando. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and visit toacertaindegree.com for information on the more than 150 guests who have appeared on the show. It's episode 200, so I wanted to do something for me. I pulled three really impactful clips from episodes with uh, Paul Driscoll from November 2016, Bree Sosa from June 2018, and Tis Mallon from March of this year. They were meaningful to me, and so I wanted to share them with you. They're things that I listen to on a regular basis, these specific clips, to get inspiration and to think outside of who I am sometimes. So let's start with Paul Driscoll. It was a pretty simple question that I was asking him, and I didn't realize where it was going to go. And it was something that changed my perception of what writing could mean to someone. One more thing, and then we're going to take a break, play a song. Uh, there's a therapeutic writing workshop. What's that all about? Do you know how to spell that? I, I really just figured out how to spell therapeutic. And so even just to say it's hard. But the therapeutic writing is something I stumbled into uh, doing free writing with young people. Yep. And obviously they're always in turmoil and conflict and for real reasons and imagined reasons. But having taught so many years and so many kids in that style, uh, I started to find the value of writing as therapy. And this is there's a lot of research to support this. This isn't new science and I didn't discover anything. I just saw the benefits of it and encourage that. And so kids dealing with grief, you know, loss in their own family, maybe they're going through divorce. Um, we as a community in one of our schools lost students, you know, to cancer and to uh, other tragedies and, and colleagues of mine, you know, and those things happen in communities, but it was incredible how valuable just the writing process was for growth and healing. You know, it's not, it doesn't solve your problems, but it, it definitely aids in, helping you move past them, uh, put it into context and something that you can manage. And we actually had a, the privilege to uh, go over and work with the mayor's senior staff, all the people that responded to the Pulse tragedy who were right there on the morning of, you know, on the front lines um, at the call center and dealing with all the families coming in and, and, and uh, trying to help support them and give them answers. And then all the way through weeks after, you know, all the support and all the stuff that went into it. And uh, we, we did a little workshop with them. It was really amazing um, the experiences that they had and, and how much trauma impacts you over a long period of time. So post-traumatic stress is uh, not just limited to soldiers and people on the battlefield, but anybody who experiences trauma and stress like that, especially the duration um, one of the young ladies um, was a translator. And you think about a lot of uh, Spanish-speaking families mm -hmm. and her having to hear the stories 
and then translate the stories and then back and forth all that and so i was talking to her about how i was like you've heard these stories probably more than anyone and then recreated these stories in this really heightened sense so you know the brain science is interesting though the amygdala the prehistoric brain is all fired up and trying to make sure you're safe you know and it stays fired up and so what happens in post-traumatic stress is you end up um that stays kind of activated and so it, it starts to impact your ability to have form memory and start to impact, obviously, your moods and your behaviors. And you can't figure out why. And it's just because your uh, your brain's sort of injured from the events that it experienced. So what writing does and therapeutic writing does, it kind of gives your brain permission to go back to those events and create the narrative on its own terms. You know, instead of it just visiting you in as triggers might, you know, like one thing they talked about is how one of their triggers was their phones. And when I started working on it, we didn't have that, you know, uh, my wife was in a, it was held hostage one time, um, really impacted our life and her life. And another reason I got into this, um, but she didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any way to communicate. So it wasn't really a trigger, but they talked about how, you know, whenever their phone rang, they had to change their ringers or switch it up because as soon as it would come in, that sound would immediately trigger their brain to go into essentially what's a fight or flight. Right. You know, and that, um, they talked about how that impacted them or just seeing ambulances or driving certain places and how that sort of exacerbates that or the memories and the fear and the anxiety that goes along with that. So does the writing actually make them uh, or in the sense of you have to you have to confront it or is it just it's allowing you to be OK with this idea of being able to address things again? Yeah, it's kind of a little bit of both. I mean, you are confronting it in the sense that, but you're confronting it on your own terms right? rather than it coming to you, like I said. And then to put it into a context that you can uh, better better deal with. Because, um, you know, when the events go on, sometimes your brain isn't processing it in a way. It's almost protecting you, keeping you safe. So it's why a lot of people's experience the fog of war mm-hmm. and they get these experiences because they're, they're actually not creating memories the way they normally do because they're being, it's being overridden by all these other chemicals that are going through the brain, which are chemicals that are basically like get out of here, you know, go run and save your life. And so that now you're revisiting that narrative and instead of it being pieces, you're putting it back together yourself and coming to terms with it in that way. It's not going to go away. I mean, this part of who they are, like these people that experience that as part of who they are. Um, they're going to live with that. It's going to shape um, their future, but they can have more control over it. And that's the biggest thing about writing is gaining control over those experiences mm-hmm. and not letting the experiences influence and control them. So it's pretty interesting. I mean, that, and that's where you talk about words in one of our, I don't know if it's a catchphrase, but we, we talk about words having magical powers. Sure. You know, and uh, magical powers to create images. And it's really interesting and things like that. But then again, to heal, you know, you think about, being able to, you know, put those things into context and to uh, grow and heal just by using the power of your words and your language. What helps you give yourself that perspective? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So is this workshop, how are you running it? Is it coming up? Can we learn more about it on page15.org, which we could probably learn a lot about all You can learn programs. a lot about it. I'm not sure if we, we, we might have something on it about page15.org. This is something we did um, as a one-off just because they actually reached out to us, which was interesting because right when it happened, I knew right away, I was like, you know, we, we could help these people because I'd seen it so much. You know, I'd seen kids work their way through grief in a variety of ways. Um, and I knew it would help because I'd seen it thousands of times. And so I thought about it, but, you know, everyone's trying to help and I don't necessarily need to insert right, myself right. and say, oh, I'm going to save, you know, but I was like, I just thought it in my mind. I was like, and you know, they could benefit from some 
you know, therapeutic writing and journaling, you know, and uh, then uh, they reached out to us and asked if we had anything that we could do for them because they were, you know, they're dealing with it. And that's what's interesting is now it's three months ago and it'll be six months and they're still, you know, significantly impacted by that. Mm -hmm. You know, their, their brain is still injured. And so they're struggling with it. It's not over for them. It's still very live and very active. So they reached out to us and, you know, I dusted off some of my research from, uh, you know, back in the stress management days and then some of the other stuff I've been doing since then. Cause it's always been an interest of mine. And then we just created a basic program that kind of gave them a background on what's going on with their brain, why these feelings are normal and to be expected. And, you know, you're not going crazy, you know, even though your brain's kind of taking over a little bit, which is hard enough to deal with as a, you know, on its own because you're, it's your brain but it's kind of overriding some of the things in there. And so we just explained to them what's going on so they're not freaked out by it and then just started the beginning, the process of moving it because you, you can't really jump into that in one session. We actually did some exercises in writing positive things because I wanted to sort of uh, give them an example of being able to create writing that you know creates positive chemistry in yourself, mm-hmm. like thinking about things you love and people you appreciate and people being nice to you and that fills you with good positive chemistry so um just the same as that you know you can uh, work your way through those challenging um thoughts and experiences um and really work your way through it so then we just did a little bit of journaling and then what was best about it and what what i thought was the most valuable was them starting to have a dialogue with one another you know starting to share because when they started talking about triggers and they all talked about their phone and none of them had talked about it before with each other so, uh, they so they're, they're like, like oh you too Right. And so, so there was all these things happening. And basically, I kind of stepped back because, you know, it was for them. They had a, they were a really nice team over there, you know, and they're really close to one another. And that was very clear. And so then they just started talking about their experiences. And there was even a time where they were all downtown together at an arts festival and they were all feeling anxiety in the exact same way, but not talking to one another. They're walking down the street and there's three of them and they're all thinking this is a big crowd. You, know, you start getting anxious about that. And they're like, I don't see any, do you see any police around here? I don't see any police around here. So that's the mind fight or flight response, just staying hot, staying active. So now they're in situations that would be normal to them. You know, they're city employees. They work with the mayor. They're at events every constantly. All the time. Yeah. Now they're at events and they're kind of feeling anxiety and fear. And they think they're the only one. <laughs> But it turns out everyone they're with walking right now is thinking the exact same thing. So just opening those doors, getting them to write about it, and then talk to one another about it was kind of like a shared burden, which is a big thing for me is that sharing the burden of grief and what community is really all about and the ability to say, you're not alone in this. We're in this together. You're listening to A Certain Degree. I'm Nick. That was Paul Driscoll. He is the Director of Educational Programs at Page 15. He and the amazing team there offer some programs to encourage young writers and readers, and I encourage you to learn more at page15.org. If you still have minutes left on your America Online account after visiting page15.org and browsing the web on Netscape, I guess, make sure to visit toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com. You can follow, you can like, you can subscribe. It encourages you to become more engaged with me. I get it, your time is valuable, but wouldn't it be great to just connect with one more person and that person was me and you invited me over for homemade pancakes on occasion after the pandemic, of course. Yeah, that would be great. Next up, we've got Bree Sosa. She was kind enough to come on the radio and do something incredibly visual, a tarot card reading, which I enjoy very much and still listen to this day, two years later as something that gives me a little bit of insight into myself. 
So what is the process? How does it actually okay. work? I see two decks here. So we have an Oracle deck and then we have a Tarot deck. So the first thing we're going to do is you're going to pick from the Oracle deck. So you're going to pick a card and mm -hmm. this will be kind of like the energy around you at the current moment. Okay. Okay. So it's very radio. It's very radio. So okay. pick a card, any card. I like that one. Okay. So then we're going to put this card down. Okay. So that's the energy around us. So pick a number, 1 through 22. 7. Did you have that number, like, ready to go? Yeah, it's one of my favorite numbers. Ooh, why? Uh, I don't know. 3 and 7 have always been my favorite numbers. All right, so give me a number 1 through 10. Uh, 3. I was, I mean, I was going to do yeah. it, but I want to give you the benefit. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Now, this is the, so the last card that I picked, there's always, I always give two options. Mm -hmm. Either they give me another number or they're going to pick. So I feel like you should pick from the deck. Okay. So pick a card, any card. I will pick this one right here is speaking to me. Perfect. So, so you took one from the Oracle deck mm -hmm. and then three from the Tarot deck. Right. Now, some people don't, some readers don't like it when people touch their cards. Okay. Because they think like the energy... Get some juju on yeah. it. Yep. I'm like, like, I know my stuff. I'm like, it's fine. They're, they'll be good. So okay. first thing we're going to do is we're going to turn over the Oracle deck. So he just got the 13 card and it's called understanding, which is really good right now because our energy is. That makes sense for what we're doing. Yeah. You're literally trying to understand a situation, a new topic. This card is also has a number uh, of four. So one plus three, four, as long as I did my math correctly. You know, they teach math differently now. So. Yes. But one yeah. plus three is still four. Um, four is a number of stability. So the more understanding that we have, the more stable we can be in any future endeavors. Okay. Okay. Like so that. that's the energy around you right now. And the visual is this beautiful uh, illustration of an elephant's eye. Mm -hmm. um, and is that Ganesh or is that? Yes. Okay. That's Ganesh, Very nice. which I have massively tattooed on my forearm because yep. he's my homeboy. All right. So now we're going to do these next three cards. Hmm. Oh, that's always a good sound. <laughs> to be fair, though, I mean, I always make that sound. It's always okay. a well, that's hmm. good. Great. Makes me feel slightly better. Hmm. OK. <laughs> <laughs> There's it's a situation. I don't know what what you want. Um, so. This is your reading at the current moment. Uh, we did get one major arcana card, which is the chariot, which we'll get to in a second. So the first card is the ten of wands. Wands okay. is energy, creativity, um, passion. But ten has a double meaning. It's an, It can be chaotic. Mm -hmm. It's the end of a journey, and it's also the very beginning of something. Okay. People with the ten of wands have a lot of... Things in their way. It's a lot of it. It's a lot of chaos. They can't see clearly. Um, the Ten of Wands means you have a lot of projects going on, and it's time to focus onto one particular thing. So literally, in the visual is like ten sticks in the and dark. It's dark, yeah. So you can't see beyond them. Exactly. It's okay. literally like a wall. All right. Um, and usually, this means that you're standing in your own way, type of thing. Oh. <laughs> That never happens. <laughs> never, ever, right? No. It's totally, totally random. No. Um, so this is an ideal time to kind of sit and reflect and start removing the sticks like, oh, what can I, you know, better use of my time? Right. Um, especially when it comes to passion projects, which you are a very creative person. I mean, that's cheating because I knew that. But I would assume with so many projects, it's time to like 
pick one or Just two. Get rid of those sticks. Yeah, get rid of the sticks. Yep. Which will be really interesting when we get over here. Oh. Um, so the chariot is great because it's like someone coming to your rescue, which if, do you want to describe the cards since you're doing such a great job? It's uh, another really beautiful illustration. It's a horse with a, what I would call a moon symbol on the forehead. Is that what mm-hmm. it is? Okay. Yeah, crescent moon. Uh, behind the horse is what looks like the sun. And this is all basically black and white. So it's, it's really, uh, really interesting. And then around the horse's neck is a pentagram, mm-hmm. sort of, uh, what would you call that? A uh, necklace. Yeah. So the chariot comes to us in a time of need. Okay. Sometimes it's an outside or sometimes it's ourselves. Um, I'm really big on the idea, and I think everyone should embrace the concept of we kind of help ourselves. Um, no one's going to come save you, and it's important that, but it's not also... Not even this cool horse? Not even the cool horse. Does the horse have a name? Do you want it to have a name? I don't know. Do you sometimes name some of the characters? I mean... No. Okay. I just, because like I feel like it's like their own energy. Got it. Okay. But I just wanted to see. The one of the really cool things about, you know, this horse energy, it's very strong. It's very domineering. They're kind of like a go-getter. Okay. The thing also, too, is there's no blinders on. They can see all their opportunities. They're resourceful. It's a time to really kind of, where do I want to go next? And then charge that way. Very Mm Mustang-ish type of mentality. Um, I've been described that way. Really? Mustang-ish. That's very surprising. Oh, no. Musk-ish. Okay. I think is. Is that what it is? is okay. more accurate. Because I was going to say, wow. Yeah. Um, and then the pentagram kind of adds a little bit more of like spiritual energy. Okay. Because of all the elements are present. So then lastly, we go to this beautiful two of swords, mm-hmm. which is air energy. So go ahead and describe that card for the lovely audience. We have uh, you know, so many lovely audience members. That's where we skew demographically. <laughs> it's just beautiful people. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's really I'm great. super jazzed. Two swords crossed towards the uh, tip, and then in between where they're crossed is this, uh, I guess, eclipsed sun mm-hmm. is what's going on there. So it's a little bit dark in the background, but not as dark as with the Ten of uh, Wands. Exactly. So the Two of Swords is opposing forces. You have a lot of opposition. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, that's interesting. That, that could be accurate. That could be um, opposition in the sense of like, again, fighting against yourself or the energy of something that you're trying to do is just very combative. Um, When we have swords come up, that's all about mental anguish Mm -hmm. and anxiety, depression, um, really trying to empower ourselves to use the swords to cut away at that energy, cut away at those attachments. um, to really kind of listen to our own authentic voices in ourselves. Now, Before I go any further, sometimes when I'm talking to someone, Mm -hmm. I get this, like, idea of, like, oh, grab another card. Okay. So I'm going to grab another card, and I'm going to pick the number that I heard. So I heard four, so I'm going to do four. So what you're doing now is when the numbers are picked, you're actually just running through the deck until you get to the fourth card. Yes. So there's that. Uh So here we have the cups. Um, so this is the eight of cups? Yeah. There's a very dark mountain in the background, and then the eight cups are in the foreground. They're white, uh, but they're all broken. They're all broken. Mm-hmm. Um, also interesting to note that you've had 
fire, you've had air, and now you've had water. Mm -hmm. So cups energy means emotions are off track, off balance, which explains why this is happening. Right. So when I pull another card and it's still kind of dark, it's still, you know, the irony is the darkest cards illuminate the lightest parts of ourselves. I really feel that darkness is an anchor that allows us to be the very authentic selves of who we are supposed to be. So when your emotions are so out of whack like that, everything else is very fragmented. It's very opposing. There's no stability. Mm -hmm. So the goal is to get to stability. And by removing a lot of these obstacles, whether they're mental, whether they're physical, then we can have a much clearer path. So some people might say this is a negative reading. I don't. Oh, good. (laughs) So I'm the one who's doing it, so I'm saying it's not negative. Hey, it's Nick. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. Bree Sosa did that tarot card reading for me on the air. Not only wasn't it not negative, that's a weird way to say that, It was incredibly positive. It is something that I refer to on a regular basis. She does tarot card readings and other things, including vegan consultations and spiritual consultations. You can reach her or follow her if you like at the underscore vegan underscore mystic 666 on Instagram. You're listening to WPRK 91.5 FM. Where is college radio? Is it in our hearts? No, of course not. It's radio. It's mostly invisible waves that are passing through all parts of your body at the same time. To a certain degree, therefore, is inside you every Monday from 7 to 9 a.m. on your FM dial at 91.5. You're listening to a certain degree. I am Nick. Last but not least on this episode 200 of To a Certain Degree, T. Smallin. They were on the show for the second time earlier this year, and we discussed communication and listening. In this clip, we discuss where that leads us, to a connection, a real connection. And we talk about connecting by way of typewriters and mail. I should just be sending out notes of gratitude. Yeah. Without expecting anything in return. So before it was, okay, I'm going to write this. I'm going to take a picture of it. I'm going to send it to them. I'm hoping they post it. And uh, maybe give me a free croissant. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one has ever done anything for anybody else ever without expecting anything in return. Uh, but I, I did start doing that. So I still mm-hmm. took a picture, but I'll cover up. Um, and if you look at Card and Fast on Instagram, you'll see a lot of those early works. I'll cover up what I wrote. So now this is just for them. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So I'll still take a picture. But if it was like for uh, JB's Bottle Shop or GB's Bottle Shop Mm -hmm. on Virginia, I'll actually put beer over the words. So you'll just see some typewriting stuff and you'll see this Mm -hmm. beer on top of it. I'll take a picture of it and then I'll mail it to them. And then it becomes this this uh, uh, basically this exercise in gratitude and not expecting anything in return. Yes, and there's, I I find something really beautiful in hearing somebody else's appreciation of something, and it it puts me right there along with them. Oh, that's a good point. So when you when you said that, now you cover that up. It you know I felt a little sad because it's there. Well, maybe it drives curiosity as well, so it serves a different purpose. Maybe, but 
I'd like to think that some of them are well written and some people would appreciate them. And I'm hoping they get that's the other thing is I never know if they actually get there. If I'm just like if mm. I don't know if they post it. I don't know if, uh, you know, Whippoorwill uh, Package House and, and the uh, coffee shop that they have there, if they get 27 uh, typewritten notes a day. If so you, maybe mine just goes yeah. into the uh, into the shredder immediately. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No. So, so it's like you, could, you could send um, a little message on there. If, if you have received this card, could you please tie a yellow bandana I will on I'll, your mailbox I'll send it along with it a self-addressed stand up yes. stamped envelope <laughs> with the response that I would want from them oh. I'll pre-write it yeah <laughs> Nick come in for your free croissant today <laughs> don't forget one coupon for uh, free croissants for life mm -hmm. so I mean I was kind of I, I was bringing it back around to no one has ever done anything for anybody sure. else without yeah. expecting something in return and um, I wanted to mention that, like, that's not to say that what you're after is a free croissant. Like, what is what is it the need that it meets for you to send out these cards? Well, it was interesting because when I was talking about this with uh, Bob Codges, mm -hmm. a good friend of both of ours, and I do a uh, another podcast with him called Your Daily Dose with Bob and Nick, and it comes out every weekday. So we have a lot of content. Man, a lot of content. Uh, but we were talking about it, and he described me as a performance artist because of that, the analog Yelp reviews, and because of what I did at Fringe Festival and yes. uh, at Maker Fair and a couple of other spaces and places that I've done the typewriter table at. And I didn't think of it as that until he mentioned that. Mm. Um, so now starting to think about it is it is a little bit more performance-based it is a little bit more like I'm trying to show people not necessarily my work, but that there's another way to do things besides just going online and writing a review mm -hmm. or writing a blog post or, you know, you know, the electronic way, the 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 way that we've come to accept how to have conversations uh, at this point is that there's another way to do that. And I love that. Like that's the that's the thing that delights me about the typewriters, especially when kids see them is all of a sudden they're introduced to a, a completely different way of communicating and doing things. So when he used the term performance artist, I'm like, oh, wait, now that gives me an entire different way of looking at what I've been doing mm -hmm. and how I might interpret that. So in hearing that, what I'm guessing is met for you is your needs for self-expression mm -hmm. as an artist, creativity, um, connection and seeing other people connect to you and each other through that interaction. Um, also, what is it? Is it like innovation or uh, maybe but like your need to communicate or have others communicate with each other? I, I think so. I think part of it, um, uh, yeah, part of it is for them to communicate. So that's why I set up the tables. And if somebody doesn't know what to write, mm -hmm. I say, well, write. Uh, so, for example, at Maker Fair, write a note to the person who brought you. Mm -hmm. Right. Or at Fringe yeah. Festival, it was uh, write a note to thank the sh the person in the show you just saw. Yes. So it was that kind of connection that I think is. Um, and, and the most meaningful ones, like, and I was not expecting this on any level, was all of a sudden I got 10, 11, 12 uh, notes, uh, you know, total, I think, from uh, from Fringe especially, 
that were written to me. Oh, wow. Thanking me for doing what I did. And yes. I, I was not expecting that. Like it hit me in the feels mm-hmm. like I was not expecting something mm-hmm. to do. And so that was really compelling and interesting as well. Um, so, yeah, but I think there's also that validation of, you know, in some way, Nick, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Right. If if, if people are liking this. Um, but what I have to do is get that validation or figure out how to get that validation. I, well, well, let me ask you this. Getting validation without being disappointed when you don't get it in the way that you want. Mm. So those notes meant a lot to me. Yes. And uh, that was something that I wasn't expecting. Uh, but I think on some level, what I want is for a lot of people to post these things and for it to go viral and for me to get uh, some sort of a claim on some level. Yes. Because I think there's always that in the back of your head. Now, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else I would want because I, I do this at different events. People are starting to know about it a little bit more. People are starting to ask me to do it at different things. Uh, you know, I've been covered on WMFE and in the Sentinel. It's like, well, what more is there? Mm-hmm. That is not only enough, it's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. You're really appreciating everything that it's giving you. Yeah. So it, it's tough to to get to that point. But if you really and I think this is the, it, to segue everything. I know we started off on listening and being a pen pal and having to listen effectively in terms of a different medium. <laughs> yes. Um, but this is also listening in a different way. And it's listening to what people are saying or how they're interacting with what you do mm. instead of just a conversation with you. So mm-hmm. how are people interacting with it? And then how do you take that and internalize it and you know let it validate your feelings? Because that's, again, when we're having a conversation and we're expecting somebody to listen to us, mm-hmm. uh, there's a certain validation, which I think step three of what you talked about, which is the Cliff Notes version. Mm-hmm. So so what I'm hearing in that is is listening to people's behaviors mm-hmm. and level of interaction, like as, as a thing, like how engaged are people with what I'm putting out there? Yeah. And so like listening for that, listening for does this resonate with others as much as it resonates with me and in seeing that yes they are engaged and yes their behaviors are that they are interacting they're they're sitting down the typewriters they're uh, sending out these messages to one another and in you having received physically these typed out letters of appreciation like how how that satisfies your need for acknowledgement and to be seen and understood in what you're doing yes yes sorry i'm nodding along and then i just remember <laughs> that's actually interesting because i got out of the moment that we're even on the radio mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we're just having this conversation yeah that's a good place to be that's beautiful that's my favorite thing that happens when i get to interview amazing people from the orlando area is when We don't even realize, or at least I don't even realize, we're still on the radio. You're listening to A Certain Degree. I'm Nick Jorgudiu. The best way to learn about Tease Mallon and to learn from Tease Mallon is by going to the Eller Institute website at elarinstitute.org. Ellerinstitute.org. Tease is the founder and director there, and they are offering a free online class about connective communication twice a month 
in both English and Spanish. Check that out when you have a moment. That's it for this episode. There are 199 other great episodes with guests from all walks of life, including, but not limited to, choreography, writing, acting, directing, storytelling, community building, space, technology, teaching, painting, pins, improv, music, and several more things. To find these gems, visit toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com. Thank you so much to my guests, Paul Driscoll, Bree Sosa, T. Smallen. I have been Nick Jorgadio. You are listening to WPRK 91.5 FM.